Thank you guys for coming back and visiting. We got another episode here. Let's step into the batter's box and see this lineup we're up against. The opening weekend of the baseball season, pace of play looks to be improved already, speeding right by. A couple of unfortunate injuries to some big pitchers, as well as some wild catches and some even funnier off-the-field business, or technically on-the-field, if you look at it that way. We're going to get into that, but of course, let's not forget our wonderful co-host. This man can put together a TikTok like you couldn't believe. Give it up for John Fazio, everybody. Well, I want to thank all the wonderful Gen Z creators out there at CapCut that have these great little formats for me to kind of take whatever's popular and kind of spin it into our own thing. I'm looking at these TikToks and especially like what these young kids are making. I can't believe how talented some of these kids are. It kind of puts my video profession to shame a little bit. Yeah, I was all about never downloading TikTok. And then all of a sudden we start a baseball podcast and here I am scrolling through it, looking at stupid videos of God knows what. But some of this baseball content we're putting out, it's getting some engagement. We got fans commenting what they like, what they dislike. We're only going to keep pumping out more. These YouTube shorts are on fire. We're going to get our Instagram account up, get that running. Things are off to a great start over here in our rookie season at the network. Yeah, and I would say too, like it kind of can get overwhelming because there's so many different platforms I like want to post to and like want to get as much content out there as possible. However, like I just got to kind of step back a little bit and be like, hey, we're just kind of like a two-man team right now. We want to like get out the best content we can at this point. And then hopefully as like our engagement grows and hopefully as like we get more people coming to visit our channel, subscribe, you know, engage, interact, we can kind of build up from there. So, you know, we thank the people that have watched our shorts so far. A few of them got a few thousand views. And, you know, I think just having what 29 subscribers right now currently and having that much engagement and viewership is not easy. So I think, you know, what we're doing is working. I think we just got to kind of keep that momentum up. And hopefully, you know, the people out there that are watching and listening to this, please reach out, engage, comment. We love the comments. We love interacting with our fans and like, subscribe, comment wherever you can. It really helps us out. Couldn't have said it any better myself, Fazio. There's always going to be something to post. There's always going to be something to talk about, whether it happens on the field or off the field. It's going to be a hell of a year. We're coming to the end of the first weekend of the season, three or four games in. We're going to give you our favorite matchups in the upcoming week later on. Uh, we got some big matchups coming up early in the season for April, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and you know, right before we get into it, I just want to say, you know, I'm wearing a little Rocky shirt to represent the first couple of games. We both went out there in uh, in 2021, caught like one of the last games, I think. It was I think actually the last regular season game there in Colorado and uh, had a hell of a time. So uh, we'll get a little bit into the Rockies in this show, but uh, I guess for now, I think we're about to go right to first base. What do you say? We will be heading to first base, but first I got to show you my Larry Walker bobblehead. We got there it on it that is. same color. We got it on that same Colorado trip. Great time out there. Great time out there. I can't wait to head back to that ballpark. What do you say, buddy? We going to first base or what? Yes, yes, I'm. I'm ready. Pace of play. Three games into the season, so far has been incredible. We saw a record-setting game, if I'm not mistaken, between the Guardians and Mariners last night. Fazio, you loving this so far? Yeah, so I just want to preface this by saying that we're taping during Sunday's game, so 
We're not going to have uh, a lot of information to say about that. I think as we go along in this podcast, that'll probably be a common theme. Going back to Saturday night's game, yes, the Cleveland Guardians and the Seattle Mariners, that game only lasted two hours and three minutes. It was the fastest this season. I believe there were games that happened a little quicker in seasons past, but I know for a fact that this season so far, it's been the fastest. And for me as an East Coast fan, I love it. You know, this game started around 9 p.m. and ended around 11. That's like a fantastic time for me. And I guess even West Coast fans too, because by the time that game ends, you could probably go out to a bar, you know, and hang out with your friends and just like have a good time, not have to worry about what's on screen or watching something until 1.30 a.m. Eastern time, you know, 9.30 Pacific, even 10.30 Pacific in that sense. And, you know, just kind of enjoy your night really and maybe get a little more, a couple hours of sleep if you're like me as an East Coast fan. Um, As a fan of being at the actual baseball games, I don't know how you feel, Mike. I'd love to get your take on this. How would you feel, you know, because we haven't gone to a game yet so far live. How would you feel if you went to like a Mets game and it ended at about two hours? What would your thoughts be about that? As a fan, when I go to a game, I don't really care how long it takes. But I, I do agree there. It's different from watching it on TV than being at the game. You watch it on TV nightly as a show, in a sense. So... You want it to end a lot quicker so you're not up all night watching baseball, especially the West Coast games. But if you're at the game, you're probably there because you have your calendar marked off the whole day anyway. I don't think you care if the game goes a little longer. I, I really don't, especially when you're there because you could definitely feel rushed, you know, watching these games from home. I I wouldn't even mind if they took maybe even a little bit of a breath in between pitches but after seeing what it's doing to the overall time, I'm liking it so far. I was playing with the idea of possibly suspending the pitch clock in the ninth inning or later. I don't know how you feel about that. But what I have seen so far is the umpires and how they have a feel for the game still. In the Mets game two nights ago, pitcher Jesus Lazardo, first pitch of the game, was having an issue with his pitch calm, which would have totally went past the pitch clock. But the umpire had a sense about him. He was like, time out, time out, time out. Fix your pitch calm so this way you don't get charged the ball for something cheap like that. Now, I believe it was veteran umpire Chris Guccione, if I'm not mistaken. Now, would you get that same type of in-game feel with a rookie umpire? I don't know. So you're going to actually see that come into play. I love umpires who have ability to read the room, read the situation, and not living and dying on the pitch clock. Although you've seen some violations so far early, didn't turn out to change the games completely, but they are calling them. These guys are all going to have to get used to it, but so far so good. It hasn't been a disaster by any means. And the longer the season goes, you might not even notice it. And I think if the players coaches, the entire organizations adjust to it immediately and you know don't put up so much resistance towards the idea. You might even see the umpires back off a little bit and give a team like a, a second chance. Yeah, I think with like the rookie umpires or just the umpires in general, I have to imagine they're kind of like on the same page with this kind of thing. They want to kind of get into a rhythm. They want to kind of be on the same page where like if a situation comes about, like say the pitch comp thing, 
they kind of all have communicated with each other like prior to the game being like, okay, if something like this is happening, we should give them a chance to kind of fix whatever they got to do, not give them a violation because technically it's like not their fault and just kind of play the game there. And I guess as far as like the ninth inning like rule is concerned, like by turning the pitch clock off, I think it all depends on like the situation, right? Like if it's like a 10 run lead, you know, say for instance, like the angels, they beat up on the A's uh, last night, Saturday night. Uh, they were like, they went by over like 10 runs, ninth inning in that game. It's like, all right, let's get the pitch clock on. Let's just get the hell out of here. Cause the A's aren't coming back. Now, if it's a situation now, like say last night in the uh, guardians Mariners game where it's a two nothing game, you know, I would say maybe be a little bit more looser on that rule because you don't want to have a situation like we saw in spring training with the Red Sox where a game could get altered because of this rule. And like you said, so far hasn't happened. I still think it will happen during the season. I just, you know, I'm not exactly sure when it's going to be, but I will predict that one of these games is going to get affected by this. And it'll be interesting to see like what the circumstances, what kind of happens, how MLB reacts to it, like what things are going to change, if anything, if that happens. And obviously the talk will be, you know, is this going to happen in the playoffs? That's yet to be seen. But as far as like, you know, pace of play for me is concerned, I like it personally. If you're a fan going to a game, I guess in my opinion, maybe you're getting a little shortchanged. I did see a lot of chatter in Reddit about that saying like, you know, these ticket prices aren't cheap. I'm paying for X amount of money. I'd like to see an X amount of time with this game. And for me, I can, I can understand a little bit of that, but at the same time, I'd rather see more action. Like if I saw a lot of action in the two and a half hour span of a game, I'm satisfied. But for an average fan, I think, you know, if there's a lot of action happening and there's, you know, it happens in a short amount of time, I think it's fine. To be fair, if you go to the game and let's say it's your first game of the season, and a lot of these ballparks now are beautiful state-of-the-art facilities that were built to have fans walk around the concourses. If you're somebody who, yes, wants to take a look at the ballpark, like us when we went to Coors Field, we spent the first couple of innings of the game grabbing food, taking a look at the ballpark, but maybe not everybody wants to do that. But you and I are two guys who want to watch the game and toward the ballpark. And to try to do those two things now, I could see being a little difficult. I'm sympathetic to both sides of this argument, the pro-pitch clock, the anti-pitch clock. They're, they're going to try to come to a compromise. Obviously, you're not going to come to a perfect compromise, but I think they're going to do their best to get it right. Yeah, I have to imagine too. I, you know, I think you said it perfectly. You know, if you're a person that wants to travel to a stadium for the first time, or you just like to go out, you know, to a ballpark and just see the sights and stuff. You may feel like, oh wow, like there wasn't really as much time as I used to have. But you know, when we went to that Rockies game, there was a rain delay. To be fair, so we did have some time up there in the right field uh bar i forgot the name of that bar out there but it was pretty sick but like after that like we went down and we saw like a couple innings and then we were just like you know what like i think we we kind of experienced what we wanted here and we got like what we needed out of the stadium we even went to like center field all the way to the top like traveled all the way up top there of course there wasn't that many fans there that day uh but it was still like a great time and i feel like i didn't get gypped out of like because their game was in a rain delay i feel like we experienced the park as best as we could and saw everything we could we're hoping we can do more of that kind of stuff like actually get it on camera we both have gopros so we have the capability i have microphones for it 
So like, would love to be able to kind of go to a game one day this year and kind of just do like a video vlog of us, like doing something like that for our audience. So if you guys think that's like a cool thing for us to do, or you're excited about something like that, comment below, tell us where we should go, who, where we should go, like what game we should experience. And like, we're, we're definitely down to at least do it once to try it out. So I'm, I'm excited for that. As an East Coast fan, I have yet to go to Fenway Park. So I think it's time as a baseball fan that I cross that off my bucket list, as well as Cooperstown Hall of Fame. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, I've been to, to Fenway a few times. I've been to Cooperstown when I was a little kid, but we could definitely uh, make that a goal for sure for this channel and for our audience. Bring this channel to the Hall of Fame. What do you say? That's right. That's right. One day, one day with, with a lot of time, and a lot of effort, we'll get there. <laughs> well, why don't we start by getting to the hall of fame by stealing second here, huh? I think that's a great idea. Little steps. As you know, this past Thursday, opening day kicked off a beautiful season. Unfortunately, a couple of guys, including a New York Met was injured. Justin Verlander, a low grade strain in his Terrace major whatever the hell that means. It's a New York Met getting hurt on opening day. They couldn't wait another day to give us that news. Luis Urias, Milwaukee Brewers second baseman, out six to eight weeks with an injury. Max Freed, a possible DL stint waiting to happen. It's not fun on opening day, is it, when your best pitcher gets hurt, one of your better hitters get hurt. Not fun at all, especially when your team wins that day and somebody still gets hurt. Mixed emotions, Luckily, the Justin Verlander injury isn't supposed to be anything serious, but they like to tell us Mets fans that early. Fazio, how do you feel? Well, I think it was just another typical LOL Mets moment. Uh, shout out to Deadspin, aka Defector, on that hashtag. I believe they're the ones that created that. Look, I mean, Verlander, you signed him. He's a little older, so it was kind of a risk that, like, there's potential for an injury there, but luckily it doesn't seem like it's a super serious thing. Maybe a few weeks he comes back, he's ready to go. Uh, the Luis Urias injury, you know, kind of a tough blow for the Brewers. And we kind of said this on our prediction show. I'm kind of glad I didn't take them for the wild card spot because I'm looking at this team now and like, I don't know, I'm not, not feeling their squad right now. Christian Yelich is, is coming off to a slow start so far. Gotta see more coming out from him. Uh, I have him on my fantasy team, which we'll tease about a little bit later, but, uh, I just don't see them really making a ton of, of noise in the NL central. And I think kind of looking at the roster now, especially without Urias, um, I think I, I'm a little more safe with that pick for sure. And as for Max Freed, you know, landing on the IL with a hamstring injury, uh, it's a bit of a blow for the Braves. I will say though, their ace, yes, their ace Spencer Strider is going to take over this team. And this injury kind of leads him to this opportunity where he can take over. And he pitched Saturday afternoon yesterday, technically against the Nationals. Lights out stuff. Six innings, only had three hits, no earned, three walks, nine Ks. Uh, the Pitching Ninja on Twitter was firing off some crazy videos from him. And, I mean, his stuff is just completely nasty. I thought I was going off on a limb a bit to take him with Cy Young. After seeing the star, I'm like, oh, he is a Cy Young candidate. What are your thoughts on him? Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought Spencer Strider was a Cy Young candidate to begin with. Forget about the Max Freed injury. Now, before opening day, I was like, you know, 
Max Free could easily win a Cy Young too. The scary thing is both of them could win a Cy Young award. Now, we're not sure how long Max Freed is going to be out. Hopefully, it's not one of those lingering hamstring injuries. The Braves could try to piece it together. They still have Charlie Morton, Kyle Wright on the disabled list, expecting to be coming back. You got young pitchers Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd are going to have to fill in the role. If the Mets were looking to try to creep back into this division, they could try to take advantage of this. I know they lost Verlander, but hey, you know, the Braves are losing Freed. Freed is humongous to them. Now, I don't want to overreact to the first couple of days of this season. A lot can happen. A lot of flash in the pan, a lot of guys coming out of nowhere. Texas Rangers offense, we knew it was going to be great. 27 runs in the first two games. Oh, and I'm sorry, Phillies fans. We kind of slept, I think, a little bit on the Rangers uh, in our prediction show. I mean, this offense really just turned up. <laughs> I guess the the World Series defending Phillies, uh, like you said, 27 runs in two games. We'll see how they do today's game in their wrap-up, and we'll talk about them more next week. But, yeah, I mean, Adolis Garcia kind of being like – the, taking over that lineup, but they also have Corey Seager, who really kind of emerged a bit. He was a little slow on offense the last couple of years with the Dodgers before he moved over, but now he's kind of turning it up a bit, especially with you know new manager Bruce Bochy, who has had, he's got a lot of experience in the playoffs. You know, a few World Series wins with the Giants, and you know, hopefully this might be one of the teams that you know surprises everyone in baseball and maybe sneaks into that third wild card. It's very possible. Uh, the rotation, obviously, with DeGrom didn't have a great start opening day, but he didn't get the loss. So their offense really backed him up, and they won both games so far. So, I mean, who knows? This this is an interesting squad. We got. I think we're going to have to pay attention to them a little bit as we go along with the season. Yeah, the offense we knew going into the season was their strength. The first two games of the season, I think, is kind of a microcosm of what their entire season is going to be. Offense, 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 a lot of 11-8, 11-7 kind of ball games. Between DeGrom, Evaldi, Andrew Haney, Martin Perez, uh, I believe there's one other pitcher I'm forgetting, they should be able to play closer ball games, but a lot of that comes down to their bullpen, which I think if you have a bad bullpen, you don't go, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, no, I think LeClerc is like their uh, closer, if I'm not mistaken, and he had, he's had some like up and down kind of seasons. Um, so nothing, I, I don't imagine him being like a top closer. He could be one of the surprising ones, I guess this year where he comes in and can shut it down. But I just know in seasons past, he's been a bit of a headache for them and he's blown a lot of games. So it's just one of those things where maybe the rotation can go six, seven, eight innings. They can cover their butts a bit and the offense can just, blow out their opponents a little bit more and then not have to go into safe situations and kind of gives a little relief to the bullpen uh, so that they can, you know, just come in. If they give up a couple of runs, it's not the end of the world, but come playoff time, that's crucial for these teams to do that. And I don't know if they can keep up with that kind of pace uh, if they do indeed make the playoffs. Speaking of not overreacting the first couple of games, Colorado Rockies world series bound. All right, all right. <laughs> Look, I'm wearing the shirt to represent their hot start, two games, what have you. Padres kind of came off a little rusty, I would say. Uh, offense was non-existent. Uh, Juan Soto looked a little lost at the plate so far. It's only a couple of games. You know, I, I fired off a TikTok, kind of making fun of them a little bit, 
to start. A Dodgers fan was really hounding us about the NL West predictions on them. And, you know, we kind of was like, oh, easy, easy. Like, we get you're a big Dodgers fan. And, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. But, like, just give them a couple more games. They're going to find their rhythm. You know, their, their rotation is one of the best in the league. It happens. You know, these games happen. But kudos to CJ Krohn. He's really uh, stepped up the last couple of games so far. He's always had, like, a big power bat. And they're not even in Colorado yet, so he might be a guy to watch out for in that city. See how many he can crack in that stadium. Probably close to 40, potentially. It's possible. Absolutely. Also, touching on the Padres real quick, Jake Cronenworth, a contract extension. So they're going to lock up another position player for a long time there. Hey, I love entering the Crone zone. That's a great little zone they got over there. When they hit a grand slam, it's like the whole city goes nuts for him. So I think he's a solid player. He'll get you your at-bats really quality at bats get you into a situation where he could score a run for you or an RBI. And, uh, it was a great decision. And this just goes to say, you know, to show that this organization, AJ Preller, they're really dedicated to this core of guys succeeding. And I think all this playing up with them is honestly the reason why I took them. I mean, you could say differently, Mike, but I could just see like the passion and the drive for this team to really go for it and win. And that's ultimately why it took this team to win the NL West. Same here. But we all know that they have to slay one dragon, and that is the L.A. Dodgers. They got a big showing last night from, you guessed it, Trace Thompson. What if I told you he's been one of the best hitters in all of baseball since last All-Star break? You would look at me like I'm crazy, right? Think again. Tell me more, please. In the last 81 games, he has an OPS of 9-11. He was with the Dodgers, and then he was released, which I didn't had no idea. He actually played six games on the Padres last season, really had no idea, came back, and all of a sudden, he's jumped into the mix in that Dodgers outfield. Quite impressive. Yeah, it is. I mean, that three-home run performance last night was something else. I don't think anybody really saw that coming. And the Dodgers were like, well, we're going to have to put him in our lineups going forward. So it'll be very interesting to see how they kind of mix him in. But as for now, I mean, you got to ride the hot hand. And so he's got to be in that lineup to give you like a chance to put some runs on the board. And boy, did he ever do it last night? I feel like he's been in the lexicon over the last month between that home run for Great Britain, now the three home run game, and just the fact that he's Clay Thompson's brother. He's always somewhat in the limelight. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you would think like having greatness in your genes would, you know, trans transpire and, and like be great at your own sport. It doesn't necessarily always work, but I guess you got to bet on a guy potentially that can ha- pull off a performance like this. And so I guess it's not super surprising when you really dive into this, but what a performance by him and it'll be interesting, like I said, to see how he does the rest of the season. But another cool thing that happened in that game last night too, is that Kershaw actually passed Mike Mussina, 23rd overall in strikeouts. Uh, he passed 2,814 strikeouts. He had another great game, uh, first of the year, and you know hopefully he can have a healthy season this year for them. But, I mean, this guy is ultimately a Hall of Famer, right? First ballot, he's going right in. How many votes do you think he'll miss going into the Hall of Fame? To be honest, he shouldn't miss one vote, to be quite honest with you. But, you know... Nobody is ever really a unanimous Hall of Famer, except Mariano, right? 
That's correct, yes. And the fact that Derek Jeter wasn't a unanimous Hall of Famer, they, it's quite a surprise. Blasphemous. It was blasphemous. Clayton Kershaw, first ballot Hall of Famer, no questions asked. This season, with Tony Gonzalez out, Walker Bueller, they're going to need Clayton Kershaw to be the Clayton Kershaw of old back in his heyday, which is not really what he signed up for. But knowing him, he's a competitor. He's a team guy. He's going to take that ball until his arm falls off. I, I know it. 100% agree with you there. And as for you, Julio Urias, you know, he had a great first start. I foresee him also having a great year. So if those two guys can kind of do what they did a few years ago and, you know, really step up and, and get a lot of rack up a lot of wins, you know, obviously with Walker Bueller not being around until about mid-July, maybe late June, being optimistic, Dodgers are still going to be in it. You know, they're, they're going to give the Padres some fits for sure. Uh, but I will say, as far as the Padres are concerned, they got to stop dropping these games to those lowly teams like the Rockies. Sorry, Rockies fans. It's, you know, it's true. Uh, and, and, you know, start winning more of these games. And obviously, this is a small sample size. We're really being critical here of them. So we'll see how the season unfolds. But those are the kind of series you want to at least get wins from. So it'll be interesting to watch this this division for sure. And now that we're on the East Coast, we can maybe enjoy these games a little bit more than we're used to. Now, I totally agree. Those two teams are not only going to be competing for that NL West, but they're going to be competing for that National League pennant and the World Series. You know, speaking of uh, Dodgers and ring celebrations... We'll get into that in a little bit. I think we all know what we're talking about. I like it. I like it. I can't wait to hear more about that coming up. All right, let's scoot on down over to third base. I want to talk about some more of the wackier baseball things that happen over the course of these few days. Any of you guys see Hunter Renfro's catch by chance? I wasn't awake to see it. I went to bed, but I got a text from Fazio saying that it was the catch of the year. I didn't get a chance to see it the next day till about noon. And so far, I, I'll say it's the most awkward catch I've ever seen. I, that that I will say. You ever like play MLB The Show and they hit the ball in the gap to your computerized outfielder and he just throws his glove up randomly and the ball lands in there? That's exactly what this was with Hunter Redfro. Yeah, it seemed like he glitched out in the outfield for like a split second and he just like turns his head, doesn't even see the ball, and it just lands in his glove. It, it was very weird. I only thought it was a catch of the year because of how, I guess, how wacky it was. Like, I just haven't seen a catch like that in a long time. I'm trying to remember, like, the last one that was like that. I'm having trouble even thinking of something that was similar to that. I, I just saw it live. I, I was watching the game on MLB Network on TV, and I just so happened to look up as I was taking notes for the show. And I just, like, all of a sudden the ball was in his glove. And I was like, wait, did he really just catch that? I was like, holy shit, like that was an insane catch. Then I saw the replay, I was like, oh, he got super lucky on that catch. It was incredible. If you guys haven't seen that just yet, feel free to go over to YouTube, type it in, take a look at what he did, and let us know in the comments. Was that catch of the year? I mean, it's a very short season so far. I think it's going to hold up, though, for me. I think that honestly will be catch of the year just because of how crazy and wacky it was. It makes me wonder if it was really him out there, not an AI deep fake robot. <laughs> Speaking of AI and Major League Baseball, the new MLB Game Day feature. I haven't really had a chance to dive deep into it, but you were playing with it the other day, am I right? 
Yeah, so I actually saw it on Twitter. I haven't myself looked at it just yet. As we're recording, I believe the Giants-Yankees game is on. They have that feature there. Uh, but essentially what it is is there, there's like an MLB TV free, of the day of the, free game of the day. And when you go into the app on game day on MLB's app, there's like a little 3D icon that's at like the top right of the screen. Usually you see like the batter and then you see the ball come and what the pitch was and where it went and stuff like that. But if you click that, there's kind of like this field that is created through AIs. And I think they have like trackers in each stadium, or at least it's gotta be in each stadium. Cause they, there's no way that they could set up one by one each day. It's probably in every stadium. They have like these trackers that keep track of what's happening on the field and as you're looking through it, you can see like the actual player's 3D image moving around like they are on the diamond. And you can actually see like the ball getting hit by the batter going to a specific position and showing the actual event. Uh, it, it's incredible stuff. I really have to look into it myself on my phone. I just saw the tweet and the video from it. I was amazed. Like I had no idea they were working on this type of thing. I'm not sure if they even announced it. I'm curious if anyone else has heard about this prior to this tweet going out, but I just thought it was incredible. And I, I'm definitely going to look into that this week and really dive into it more. Uh, it's incredible what technology is doing these days. It feels like things are really moving at a rapid speed with it. And uh, this is like another example of that. Yeah, no, technology improves exponentially. And we're seeing that in baseball, no less. I mean, baseball's really, really getting uh, very futuristic very, very quickly. Hey, I'm not opposed to it. I mean, you got to you got to get with the times. I know some baseball fans, my dad uh probably doesn't feel that way, but let me tell you something. It's only going to get crazier. It, it has to, right? Like the next thing you would think is VR, right? Like VR hasn't really taken off just yet. It's kind of still in that phase of like you know, weirdos are kind of using it for other stuff, but there's going to come to a point where something's going to break through that technology. And then you're going to see everybody start to use it. And I think with baseball, they have an opportunity for this kind of feature to throw your headset on and kind of see this vision, this field. You got to check it out if you haven't seen it and just kind of be in the game. Uh, it's really incredible stuff. I, I foresee that maybe being the next kind of step for them. Shifting from AI baseball to on the field, not involving players or anything. It's very hard to garner up the courage to propose to your loved one. But to do it in the middle of center field during a baseball game where you know you're not allowed to be, I'd imagine is even harder. Definitely is one of the hardest things a man can do to a woman or even vice versa, woman to woman, woman to man, what have you. We're not here to, you know, be biased to any sort of race or sex or what have you. But in my situation, I always had a rule where when I was proposed to my significant other, it would not be at a sporting event. I just think I want to do it more special. And, and look, I'm not trying to disregard everyone that's done that. Maybe this particular fan that proposed in center field, they both love baseball. It seems like they did. I would not do that. But props to this guy because he took a hell of a shot from the security guard out there. I mean, that security guard should go on some walk-ons for some NFL teams and potentially try out and try to get a little like contract from a team to even be on the practice squad and take it from there because that was one hell of a tackle. Two, three broken ribs, if I'm not mistaken. Concussion. 
She did say yes, though. Thank goodness she said yes, because do you think she was pressured into saying yes? I don't know. It's not my call. Ooh, that's a tough call. I don't think so. I mean, who's to say? I, we don't know what, what's going on inside their heads. I, I would just like to see it from more of an outsider's perspective and say, I think she wanted to do it. And she said yes. And after what that guy went through, I mean, I guess you do kind of feel like, oh, I better say yes. <laughs> but hopefully they have a great marriage and a successful life together. And kudos to that guy for having the balls to do that. I would definitely not do that in my life. No, not at all. I mean, to go above and beyond like that for your significant other, I mean, that's that's something right there. And if I'm Dodgers ownership... I'm looking the other way on that one. I, I let him back into the stadium. Yeah, maybe it would be cool if like they could actually have a ceremony for them, right? He proposed at Dodger Stadium. Why not have like a little ceremony for them pregame? Have them like renew their vow or even like state their vows amongst themselves together on the field. That sounds like something that could be a possibility. Make it happen. Yeah, I know. We all know we haven't seen many ring ceremonies on that field in a long time. Ouch, ouch. Really getting on the Dodgers this show. Damn. Nah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I, I had to say it. I had to say it. But um, hey, best of luck to that lovely couple out there, huh? Well, speaking of fans that have, haven't seen many ring ceremonies lately, this is an example of a fan of a, a behavior I wouldn't exhibit anywhere, not even at a baseball game, but just anywhere specifically. And that's this guy kind of egging on Anthony Rendon of the Angels. Uh, after the game uh, over the weekend, you know, he was caught jawing at Anthony Rendon. And Rendon actually kind of stopped in his tracks and went to go confront the guy. And there's a couple of angles, but there's one specific one that caught him on camera really like hearing what he's saying. And the fan basically called him a bitch. And so Anthony took offense to that and grabbed him by the shirt and like really tried to get in his face and was like, what'd you say to me? What'd you say to me? It was pretty intense. Uh, he tried to slap him, but he missed. Uh, kind of a theme with the Angels offense there outside of the game that happened on Saturday night. But I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on, like, fans kind of talking shit to players? What, are you, what are your, What's your take on that, Mike? You know, it's easy to look at this situation, and you have to look at the player. If you're the player, you're not going to win in that scenario. Especially if you're Anthony Rendon, who's been injured throughout his entire stint with the Angels. It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. If you're a player, you totally cannot go in there and grab the fan. Yes. Anthony Rendon, the baseball player, can't do that. Anthony Rendon, the man, that's a different story. Some people were calling Anthony Rendon a bitch for doing that. Maybe he is. But... The fan who was calling him a bitch turned into a bitch pretty quickly because he didn't expect Rendon to come grab him. He changed his tune real quick. So now listen, to all you mouthy fans out there, you paid a lot of money for your seat. You're right. But tread carefully because you don't know which one of these athletes cares about the rules or doesn't care about the rules. Watch your mouth because if he gets swiped, you kind of earned it. Yeah, I think it's a situation where you're kind of asking for whatever could happen to you if you're exhibiting that behavior. You know, this goes to like also with fantasy and nice little segue because we're going to talk about our fantasy baseball teams next. But I just want to make this point before we get there. You get a lot of those like comments, especially if you're on Yahoo's app, where you're like 
engaging with people like on the player pages and like there's just some vile people out there saying vile stuff and listen it's probably like a lot of high school kids college kids it wouldn't surprise me though that there's like 40 year olds stating this kind of stuff and i just gotta be like yo listen what is this accomplishing those players are not looking at those pages make use of your time in a better situation and do something more productive don't get on a player's back because they didn't get you your touchdown or your home run or whatever it was to get you to win give me a break like that to me is just ridiculous behavior it should be outlawed you should be banished to guam if you're doing that kind of shit in my opinion (laughs) yeah no i listen do i think rendon should have showed a little bit more poise of course but you know what you know how easy that is for me to say that right now it's so easy for anybody not involved in this situation to tell you what they would have done can i be honest if i'm rendon i probably would have smacked him too to be honest with you (laughs) but actually let me let me rephrase that if i was playing well and i i probably wouldn't feel the need to do that i don't know but let's be honest, Anthony Rendon has been quite a disappointment over there in Los Angeles with the Angels. And I think it's a bunch of things coming together at once, and he kind of snapped. But I do think fans get a little lippy because they know they're behind a barricade. Definitely. And, you know, before we kind of wrap up this whole segment here, you know, we do want to touch up on our fantasy baseball teams. And I just want to say, you know, there's so many drafts out there. So many people have different kind of fantasy leagues, fantasy drafts, categories, what have you. We're not going to take too much time, but just kind of getting to you, Mike. How did you feel overall about like the draft that we kind of had? So we had an auction draft, and those tend to take longer in time. I like the way my team came out. Uh, obviously, we have keepers in our league, so not every player that could have been on the table was on the table. But I think I did really well when it came to bounce-back candidates offensively. I took Nick Castellanos and Chris Bryant. They were out there. I got them for under $10 each. Uh, I got Anthony Rizzo for $9. They're middle of the pack offensively in terms of fantasy, but they're still viable options to have there. I was able to land two stud pitchers, Shane Bieber, Julio Arias. I, I like my team going into the season so far. Uh, as of today, on Sunday, I'm winning my matchup. Things are looking good for me. Nice. Yeah, and over on my squad, uh, I kept Jordan Walker. He was kind of, I kind of picked him up last year, just kind of seeing how well he was doing in AA and just kind of banking on the fact that he would come up this year. I mean, I've been singing his praises all podcast long, all these different episodes. So, of course, I got him in there. Um, I also took... Um, Vladimir Guerrero, who I know I was pumping him up to win the or to get the most home runs in the AL, wasn't really trying to get him until he was brought up. And I hadn't really spent a ton of money just yet. And I just was like, I'm going for it. I want him. Mike was in the chat egging me on to get him. And ultimately, I won him. So he was kind of like my big ticket item. Uh, Sandy Alcantara is my keeper, as well as Trey Turner. So I got a couple of big studs there. Really looking to see Trey Turner turn things around on offense. We saw him in the WBC really just explode. And even in the spring afterwards too, uh, kind of a little bit of a slow start so far in the regular season, but you know, before you know it, he'll turn it up. Good luck to you, Mike. Uh, best of luck to me, of course, uh, throughout the season. And, uh, 
we'll, we'll keep you guys updated for sure. The third base coach is sending us. We're going home. These upcoming uh, matchups this week, Foz, I know we've been highlighting a couple of them when we're looking down the schedule. Which ones stand out to you? Yeah, so I got like kind of a top three matchups to look out for this coming week. Uh, first one up, we got the Phillies and Yanks. That's uh, this coming Monday and Wednesday. It's the first time they're playing each other since July of 2021. Obviously, they faced off in the 2009 World Series. Hideki Matsui blew them out, won MVP. Yankees won their last ring there. Uh, so it'll be an interesting matchup to watch there. Phillies obviously scuffling against the Rangers. We'll have to see how they do wrapping up against the Rangers tonight, Sunday night baseball. Outside of that, also looking out for Braves Cardinals Monday to Wednesday. Should be a nice little matchup, potentially maybe an NLDS matchup this coming season. Who knows? I think it'll happen. I think the Cardinals will advance there, but we'll see. And finally, we got Padres Braves Thursday to Sunday, a little four-game series out in Atlanta. Uh, they're going to be a part of the Apple TV Plus premiere. Uh, and Mike will kind of touch up a little bit on that because I don't want to steal his uh, matchup to look out for. But um, going to that series, they're on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. So that series, I think, is going to be a, probably the biggest one this coming week for baseball fans to look out for, for sure. But who do you got, Mike? Well, I just want to piggyback on that last one. I think uh, this upcoming weekend with the uh, Braves and Padres, potential NLCS preview, I think you're going to see you know both lineups that are completely packed with hitters go at it. You're going to see early on you know how the Padres handle uh, teams on the East Coast, you know, not just on the West Coast. You know, it's one thing to be competitive in your division, but how do you fare against the other division's elite teams? So that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Touching up on a little Apple TV, um, Friday, 2.20 p.m., Chicago Cubs versus Texas Rangers. Why I picked this matchup? Because these are two teams that are getting a lot of dark horse kind of energy. A lot of teams think they might compete, so this is going to be sort of a test. I want to see these two go at it. Texas, more of an offensive team. Cubs like to be more defense and pitching oriented. Going to see how the Rangers bats fare out there in early April at Wrigley Field. Wind might be blowing in. That's a matchup I find interesting. And also, a rematch right off the bat. We got the Guardians and Mariners. They might set a record for another game. Can they go for under two hours? Who knows? Outside of the pitch clock, though, I think those are two teams that match up well together. I think they play interesting, similar kind of baseball. Not completely with power, but they both can pitch. Uh, they both can play a little ball if they need to, some base stealing. I think they're a great matchup. I really do. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Yeah, it'd be interesting to watch. Definitely see if there's anything under two hours and three minutes in that series. Uh, it's in Cleveland this time, not in Seattle, so it'll be fun to watch there. Uh, Cleveland's opening game, if I'm not mistaken. And so going to the Apple TV Plus thing, uh, be interesting to see their booths kind of shaken up this year. Uh, want to look out for that, see how well that's received, how well their graphics and their picture looks from last year. Uh, overall, just kind of excited to kind of tune them in and see how it's improved or maybe if they're not improved, what is going on with them? <laughs> Be interesting to watch that for sure. No, yeah. I mean, this is only week two of the baseball season. I already got a bunch of matchups. This this is going to be fun. I mean, we got so much more baseball left. Looking forward to all of it that's going to come. And I just want to say thank you to our fans that have watched a lot of our short form content so far. have engaged with that. Uh, it was kind of cool to see like a couple, not even a couple, a few of our videos, a few of our shorts reached over a thousand views uh, within a day. 
And so, you know, I'm really hoping that everyone that's watched it so far is really enjoying the content. Definitely leave us a comment, a like, a follow, subscription, what have you, and let us know. What do you want to see? What do you want us to do? We're open ears, and we love that we have fans enjoying the content thus far. We really appreciate your time, and we really value you clicking our videos and watching. So thank you. This next coming show, since it's a holiday next Sunday, we're going to tape on Saturday instead, so you won't get any analysis from the Saturday or Sunday games. But rest assured, the following week, we'll be able to do that for you. And Mike, um, I, I don't know if you have anything else to say to the fans out there, but just wants to kind of give a little space of gratitude to them for sure. Nope, Foz, I couldn't have said it any better myself. We got a couple of awesome video ideas that you guys are going to love in the hopper. We really do. Thank you for joining us another week in the books. I want you guys to go out there and enjoy your baseball. It's going to be fun. We'll see you next week.